Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and my co-host Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies, uh, and in this way we attempt to catch up on our respective cinemas. Um, Unfortunately, we're not going to be doing that today. Uh, In case you haven't noticed, Kyle is not present, uh, so it's just going to be you and me today. Um, And we're not going to be doing a standard episode. We're going to be doing uh, a monthly special episode we do called Catching Up on Blu-ray. And essentially what that is is uh, we take a look at the physical media release calendar uh, for the calendar month uh, and just say a little something about any DVDs or Blu-rays or 4K discs that uh, jump out at us and seem like, you know, worthy of conversation or maybe even a purchase. Um, And also, this is the end of 2019, so um, I'm probably going to be putting out two episodes today kind of as a celebration, and that's also just going to be you and me. So (laughs) I guess uh, if you don't like Trevor, if you don't like Trevor episodes, maybe maybe the end of December isn't the right time uh, to listen to the show. Um, Anyway, uh, also, if you're not aware... Uh, Tuesdays are generally the day of the week in which uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and 4K discs are released. Um, So if you want to follow along, uh, just break out your calendar. And I'm going to start us off with uh, December 3rd is the first Tuesday in December. Uh, The first major release is a, I guess you'd call it like a a horror black comedy by the name of uh, Ready or Not. It came out this year, 2019. Uh, and if you look at the cover, it has that <laughs> it has that little uh, certified fresh uh, Rotten Tomato symbol on the bottom right corner of the, of the cover art, uh, which I've always gotten a little chuckle at because to me it seems like a slightly desperate m- means of like promoting your film. It's like, oh my god, I swear it's good. Trust us. Like we got Rotten Tomatoes on our side. Um, I don't know much about this movie. Um, it's funny because like the genre being as it it's supposed to be it's supposed to have like a winking sense of humor to it it's like a pitch black comedy um it's apparently a very violent horror movie also um combination of that and the title make me think of a, a movie from a few years ago called your next um which i've thoroughly enjoyed um i don't know much about ready or not although it seems to have a pretty good reputation and uh seems like something i, I might rent um i don't think i'd buy it but like blind buy it anyway but uh it does have a pretty good reputation among horror fans so i'd, I'd definitely be curious to check it out um next major release is a collector's edition of big trouble in little china i believe this is a scream factory or a shout factory disc um they always like blow the fucking <laughs> doors down um, when it comes to like packing in extras and whatnot, if I remember right, there's like a steelbook edition of this that comes with like a, a vinyl and like a art print of some sort. Um, this is the kind of movie that I would actually seriously consider buying a super duper special edition for like that because uh, man, I love this movie. It's uh, one of one of John Carpenter's better ones, if you ask me. Um, Kurt Russell, his performance in it is just spectacular. Um, he, he crafted a character that was very hard to get right. Um, and it's funny because, like, there have been a lot of rumblings of, like, a, a remake or maybe even a pseudo-sequel to this movie being made with uh, starring The Rock. And like most people, I kind of, like, rolled my eyes at it. I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to see that because the, the John Carpenter one is a very unique movie. It, it's, it's very uniquely him. I don't. I don't want to see someone else's interpretation of it. I. I don't even want to see him take another stab at it. I want him to keep making music because he's very good at that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, The Rock does have like enough. He's self-conscious enough to understand like what it was that made Kurt Russell's performance in that movie special. In that he's he's only the hero because he's the biggest person on the poster. Like if you actually think about everything that gets done in that movie aside from you know throwing the knife in Lopan's face spoiler alert Yang and and every and everyone else take care of things Kurt Russell's just the guy that's always in the middle of things he just kind of bumbles his way through the movie and it's kind of pitch perfect it's hilarious like every moment he has in that movie it just has me rolling on the floor it's it's a great movie I'm 
I serious I'm seriously considering like buying the super duper like ridiculous special edition complete with the vinyl that I don't have a means of playing. <laughs> um so next up we have uh at least three different box sets of uh the entire the entire Game of Thrones saga. Um the final the final season, so season eight, uh, as well as like a complete box set of all eight seasons in one. So that would be damn from twenty eleven to twenty nineteen. Wow. It's hard to believe it was that long. Um funny th- I wish Kyle was here. Uh, because I've only seen the first season of Game of Thrones, um, and then I just kind of walked away from it uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, almost none of which had to do with the actual quality of the program. So it's not like I'm a hater or anything. It's just I stopped watching it um, for whatever reason. Um, Kyle watched the whole thing and has a lot to say about it. <laughs> uh, so maybe maybe I should prompt him to like, maybe I should goad him into a conversation about it because I. I for someone who like hasn't seen the thing, um, I actually do derive a lot of enjoyment from listening to people talk about it because oftentimes it like people get very passionate and they have a, everybody has an opinion, and it's just it's very entertaining for me to listen to, even though like all the the terminology and the character names mean very little to me. It all goes over my head. It's just kind of fun listening to people like spit back and forth about it. So I. I really would like to get Kyle's opinion on things like definitively, um, but yeah, uh, this is like a super duper special edition box set thing that I think it comes in like a wooden box that looks like a puppet theater with all the family crests of all the different houses like of of the fantasy world and whatnot. Looks pretty cool. Uh, so if you if you're passionate enough about the series, maybe consider buying the gigantic fucking box set. <laughs> Um, but as far as I can tell, um, most people like, left that left that series with a bit of a bitter taste in their mouth. Um, on a much more light note, um, <laughs> we have the complete uh, Teen Titans collection. Uh, I don't know if this is the first time this has been collected in a single box, but uh, Teen Titans came out after I kind of like started to turn my nose up to cartoons. I mean, I I still kind of do that, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm in my early 30s. Um, I've heard mostly 100% good things about um, Warner Brothers and DC's uh, animated shows. Uh, I mean, I was raised on the fucking Batman, the animated series, and the Superman cartoon. I loved both of those um, completely and utterly. Um, but Teen Titans, um, yeah, by by the time we got there, and Justice League for that matter, I, I started to kind of like, shy away from that kind of stuff so I, I missed out on all that and I'm not about to revisit it but if uh, if there are any super fans out there I guess this is a big deal for them um, as far as I know Teen Titans is, it still exists in some fashion um, in multiple iterations I think there's a live action I think there's a Titan show uh, and I think they had a, a movie not too long ago in animated form so it's it's still alive and kicking um, Beside that, we have Slaughterhouse-Five, which is an Arrow release um, from 1972. I know very little about this, and I'm kind of kicking myself about it because I know it has a good reputation. Uh, I know my dad liked it. It's a, it's a dad movie <laughs> because it involves World War II, uh, and there's some like sci-fi twist to things as far as I remember. Um, cool cover art. I like it a lot. Um, I would watch this movie for sure. Um, because I've, I've heard very good things, but I don't know much about it. Um, moving moving on, though, uh, we have a couple of Criterion releases, which um, Kyle, again, if he were here, would probably have more to say about than I do, but I'll go ahead and point him out just for the sake of pointing him out. Uh, we have The Story of Temple Drake from 1933 uh, and Tunes of Glory from 1960. Neither one of these are known to me. However, um, the rule of thumb is generally if Criterion's distributing it, if they are printing discs of it, it's probably worth your time. <laughs> so you can't go wrong, basically. Um, beside that, we have uh, the Phantasm Sphere Collection. Ooh, that's a fancy little collector set with complete with the iconic uh, dagger sphere. Um, and I believe an image of the tall man on the side of the box. Uh, so this collects all the, the Phantasm movies from 1979 to 2016. I think there's uh, five, maybe four of them. 
Uh, I've never seen any of the Phantasm movies, um, but like many other things I've mentioned already on this episode, it's it's known to me, um, and I would definitely like to check them out, especially especially that first one, because <laughs> as far as I understand, it's it's totally bonkers. Like making heads or tails of it is very difficult, um, but you get something out of it, and you know I'm I'm not averse to like exposing myself to to weird shit like that. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll check out Phantasm sometime. Not about to buy the box set though. Um, moving on, we have ooh, that is an excellent cover. Uh, a film by the name of She from 1982. Uh, just based on the cover art, I'm not even going to read the back of the box description. Um, I can tell you right now, it's probably part of the the 1980s uh, sword and sorcery revival, <laughs> where we had. I mean, 1982. That's uh, that's the same year Conan the Barbarian came out. So it was it was at the the front of things. Uh, it wasn't wasn't an outright ripoff, more of a contemporary, I guess. But yeah, I mean, you had you had Beastmaster, you had Red Sonia, you had Conan. You had, later on, you had Masters of the Universe. Uh, you had all manner of barbarian movies and Beastmaster sequels. The eighties were full of loincloths and swords. It's good times. Um, I know nothing about this movie, but that is a badass cover. <laughs> Put it that way. Uh, the font reminds me a little bit of Kroll, um, which I believe came out a few years after this. Um, Beside that, we have The Goldfinch, starring every young woman's uh, favorite person ever, Ansel Elgort. Um, there's, <laughs> there was a blog I used to read that would regularly print articles um, just, like, hating on him because it was fun. Not because of anything he actually did or anything about him as an actual human being. It was just fun to hate on him. <laughs> uh, so I've kind of carried on that joke. Um, I have nothing against the guy. I just think he has a goofy name and pops up in a lot of movies that are easy to glance at on the shelf and just go, man, I I just don't care. <laughs> uh, Baby Driver was was not as good as I wanted it to be, um, but he, he was pretty good in it. I'll give him that much. Um, moving on down, though, we have Conga from 1961. Um, I'm not sure. I want to say this is a British movie. Um, in the in the same vein as like Gorgo, where it's like, ah, eh, we have a Godzilla too, except he's uh, he's got fins on his ears and he he doesn't breathe fire. He he, yeah, he's British Godzilla, the more boring Godzilla. <laughs> um, I know nothing about Congo, but that again, cool cover art. Um, we have Turtle Odyssey from 2018 in 4K. I'm guessing this is uh, oh Russell Crowe's name is on there. I'm guessing as like a narrator. Huh. So it's probably a nature documentary just taking advantage of like super high fidelity imagery. I'm pretty sure it's beautiful, but probably not much more than that. Um, beside that, we have an Arrow release, Jake Speed from 1986. Again, awesome cover art. Know nothing about it, but definitely looks like something I would watch and Kyle would roll his eyes at. <laughs> um what else we got here uh not a whole lot um looks like another re-release of teen titans trouble in tokyo from 2006 i think that had like a a very small theatrical release or probably just a straight to dvd one uh uh we have another arrow release of Waterworld. uh I mean, the Kevin Costner Waterworld from 1995, the one where they had to digitally retouch his hairline and his gills because they looked like vaginas. Um, so they paid good money for that. Um, I was under the impression this came out a long time ago. So I I think this is just like a reissue or something um, because I distinctly remember talking about this months ago. Uh, I don't think this is a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I do actually respect it in some ways um you know in terms of like stunt work and by the way the the score the soundtrack for Waterworld, uh james newton howard holy shit um some of the best adventure music you'll ever hear uh, so you can't take that away from it but uh <laughs> when i was young my brother and i we had one of those uh, bathroom readers and they had a whole like multi-page article in one of them just about the making of Waterworld and like the trials and tribulations of the folks on the set and about how they used all the steel in Hawaii to, to, to build this the floating set 
uh, by the way, which would regularly get blown away and have to be recovered between takes. Um, it was a fascinating story, and Arrow has a very good reputation for putting extras on uh, on their discs. Uh, so I'd have to do some research to see what they actually put on there. But I don't care about the movie. I just kind of want to see if there's like a documentary about the making of it because there there are some fucking stories associated with that movie, and I I would very much like to hear them. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Battle of Leningrad from 2019. That's a very high-quality cover. Uh, not sure if it's a good movie, but, yeah, it, it kind of it's off my radar. Usually I'm pretty good about international movies and, like, war movies and stuff, but not, that one's not terribly well-known to me. Um, and, yeah, I think that's about it it for December 3rd. So let's move on to the next week. Uh, so December 10th is a very big week. Um, being as it's already passed, you're, you're probably very well aware of that. Uh, so the first major release of December 10th is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's latest film. Uh, I actually just saw this about a week ago, and uh, I thought it was very good. Um, it has a very unusual pace to it, and it, well, unusual in the conventional sense, but in terms of like Tarantino stuff, you know, he does what he does. And that's, I think, largely why he has as much respect and clout as he does is that he's, he's like, I don't know, his, his products are the rare example of like a filmmaker where it's like, yeah, that is a hundred percent him. Like, <laughs> like, like every frame of that, every edit, every cut that that's him for sure. It's, it's as he wanted it to be. Um, which, you know, I, not everybody believes in auteur theory. Um, I don't 100% either, but I, you know, the more optimistic elements of, of myself do choose to believe in it, and he's a good example of that. Um, it, I feel very confident walking into his movies that's like, yeah, this is this is a Tarantino movie, and, and that means something. And I don't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was like an amazing movie by any means, but I really did enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of really great images, uh, some excellent character work on the part of Leonardo DiCaprio especially, but Brad Pitt also. Um, and yeah, just the, the edit and the the way the edits flow together is, is very unique. And the especially like one of his trademarks, the use of music in the film is... It's very fascinating how a lot of it's like diegetic music. Not all of it, but most of it. And it, it gives it a very like slice of life kind of quality. Like it for a movie about Hollywood, very little of it feels like theatrical. I mean there are there are definitely some over the top moments where it's like, Okay, we're watching a fucking movie, but there's a lot of it where it's it's like I found myself respecting it for a for a lot of the things it wasn't doing. Where it's like it, it it's never in too much of a hurry to just kind of like sit down and let you spend some time with these people. And fortunately they're all interesting enough that it doesn't bother you. It's not irksome. Uh, so yeah, uh, I liked it. I'm not sure if I'm going to own it, but I'm still thinking about that. I actually don't make it a point to, to own Tarantino movies. I don't really know why, but I, I enjoy almost all of them. I just, for whatever reason, I don't watch them a lot. Um, so moving on, though, uh, we have It Chapter 2 on 4K. Um, that also comes out December 10th. And holy shit, this was not good. <laughs> uh, definitively, just, yeah, not a good movie. Um, for the record, I, I, I was one of those kids who was terrified of the, the 1990 TV special, uh, the two-parter with Tim Curry. Um, I... I thoroughly enjoy that. It's very corny. Uh, it's definitely a TV movie, so there's a lot of things they couldn't do. Um, but it has that nostalgia factor because it came out in 1990 on the on the nose. It's like, man, I'm I'm just old enough that I I remember what that what the air smelled like. I remember what that felt like. So coming back to it, it's like, man, that John Ritter guy looks like half of the dads that like were like that looks like half of my friends' dads. <laughs> um, but the the it movie that came out like what 2017 i want to say uh, i actually enjoyed that too um it was a really it was a really tricky movie in the sense that both the book and 
well and the second movie in fact <laughs> um have the have the adult section of the story like woven inter like interwoven with the with the dairy stuff from like the 1950s um and to have to have a single story told entirely from the, from that point in time um was a bit of a gamble parts of it really 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 worked other parts of it were kind of flimsy um bev getting abducted was pretty fucking stupid and and the the whole abuse angle with her dad was for a very fun horror movie like to me it chapter one is like is like peak mainstream horror in the sense that it's like it's just scary enough it's just uncomfortable enough it's just violent enough to to get every to get every angle it's like all like people that are really into horror will appreciate it people that just kind of like to touch horror but don't really want to jump into the pool like it it appeals to them too you know it gets as much of a mainstream appeal as possible while still being a horror movie that's like the that's like the secret of of that movie's success is that it it gets everyone involved um but yeah the, the whole like it's a, actually a very fun movie for the most part i mean it is a horror movie but it it has an element of fun to it that uh gets a little uncomfortable when when bev's stuff starts to flare up and it's like man you these actors are too good to the point that's like oh shit this is like five minutes out of a two and a half hour movie that's like whoa 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 what what where'd we go <laughs> and it gets a little uncomfortable but i i enjoyed it chapter one but if chapter two is a fucking mess it is loud obnoxious and dumb <laughs> like like I, I rented it, I think, a couple weeks ago, and wow, yeah, I was blown away by how bad it was. Um, it sucks, too, because, I, like I said, I did enjoy the first chapter, big time. Uh, moving on, though, we have The Fly Collection. I think this is a, a Scream Factory uh, box set. Uh, so this includes every Fly movie. So the the first two fly movies i think there's four in total so there's the the was it vincent price movies um and then the jeff goldblum one and then the eric stoltz one from the like the 80s uh, so yeah 1958 to 1989 um <laughs> i never i've never actually seen the 50s fly movies um again dad movies my, i remember my dad hyping them up a lot um but he also hyped up the jeff goldblum one the david cronenberg one uh, and we watched that together, and oh my god, that was a formative experience for me, uh, because that movie is just—it's uh, amazing. It's—it goes hand in hand with John Carpenter's *The Thing*, where it's like it's life-changing shit. <laughs> where it's like if you can sit through this and and enjoy yourself and you know not get nightmares, um, it'll stick with you. Uh, and maybe maybe change the way you look at movies and makeup effects. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the the Cronenberg Fly is a masterpiece. Um, it's a truly remarkable movie. I I absolutely love it. Although it's one of those movies that's very very hard for me to rewatch because it's very uncomfortable to to look at <laughs> sometimes. Uh, the Eric Stoltz one, um, Kyle hasn't seen that. But I, he keeps asking me about it, and I keep telling him it's like you know it's it's actually not that bad, but it's also not that good. But like the last ten minutes of it are gory as shit. So if that's all you want to see, you'll be happy with that. And you know the lead up is is pretty good too. Although I forgot there's dog stuff in there, and Kyle's a dog guy. Um, so maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll have to watch that one and like make sure his girlfriend's like very far away because yeah, the the dog stuff in there for me it doesn't hit as hard. But I have I have friends who are who are dog people, and uh, if ever there was something that could trigger someone really you know, like in the most negative way possible, it's usually dog trauma. Um, so yeah, may, maybe maybe I should give him a no on that. But I don't think I would own this. Um, but I certainly would be very interested to go back and rewatch, well, watch for the first time uh, the original Fly movies um, because, like I said, my dad thought very highly of them, and I generally trust my dad. Um, he doesn't actually have the best taste in movies, but um, he doesn't recommend that many of them, so I always make sure to, to listen when he does. Uh, moving on, though, 
Uh, we have Hustlers uh, from 2019 on a 4K disc. Uh, this was kind of like hyped up as like a bit of a like return to form for Jennifer Lopez. Uh, Constance Wu uh, from Crazy Rich Asians, I think, is actually the main character of the movie. Um, I heard mostly good things about this. Uh, it's based on a, I think it was like a, an article, like not like maybe like a New York Times or something, but it was like in a, a article about. A, so this is based on a true story. Um, I don't know how much was fabricated for the movie. It doesn't really matter because it's, you know, it serves as the foundation for a good story. And ultimately, that's why we go to the movies. Um, I would actually watch this. I wouldn't buy it, um, but I would definitely, like, watch it if it was, like, on a streaming service for free. Or I don't think I would Redbox it. So <laughs> it's like, it's like eh, you know, if it's on and I'm walking by, sure, I'll, I'll stop for a minute, see if it's okay. Um we have another Criterion release, uh, Until the End of the World, from 1991. Um, I Again, sorry, this is not one that's known to me, but I'll read the back of the box. Uh, Claire, a young French woman who comes into contact with a large sum of money stolen during a bank heist. In her travel, she picks up mysterious American hitchhiker, who himself steals some of the money before parting from her company. I mean, it's got William Hurt and uh, Sam Neill. And Max von Sydow. I like the cast quite a bit. <laughs> um, I would watch that just because of the people who are in it. Um, we also have Millennium Actress from 2001. I think this is the first time this movie is on Blu-ray in, in the U.S. Uh, so this is a Satoshi Kon movie. Um, if, you're, if you've been following the show, um, Kyle and I actually covered a Satoshi Kon film, uh, Perfect Blue. Um Funny enough, that was another episode that I think was just me because uh, because some technical difficulties. Um, that uh, Satoshi Kon is one of those directors who um, had a, it's like a James Dean effect or like a Mozart effect. Um, not a whole lot of films made, but all very very good and held in very high regard. And sadly, they've passed away. So everything that is is what we got. Um, I would actually be very intrigued to to check this out because um, i've seen most of his movies but not all of them and you know there aren't that many so may as well check it out um what else we got here uh we have ultra seven the complete series <laughs> um i think i told kyle this um i would buy this on blu-ray except i already have it on dvd um from a different DVD distributor. I don't know what is going on uh, at Tsuburaya Productions, but um, Ultraman is like blitzkrieging the U.S. with uh, with DVDs. Like every month, it seems like there's a new there's a new box set coming out. I don't know what deal was struck, but Ultraman's making some big moves, and I am all for it because I I I like me some Ultraman, man. <laughs> um, the Fanatic from 2019. Uh, this is the Fred Durst directed, John Travolta starring film. Uh, I actually watched this uh, via Amazon Prime, I think a few weeks ago. Uh, and I think my brother and I hold the same opinion of it. Like this movie got a lot of attention because of John Travolta's wrong-headed performance. Uh, and the fact that, you know, it's, oh, it's directed by the Limp Biscuit guy. Never mind the fact that, you know, he's he's made other films. Like, he is a working film director, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he directed some of his own music videos back in the day. Um, but, you know, all the, all the ironic reviews of it and whatnot got it a lot of negative press, but, you know, press is press. Uh, I don't think it's that bad, to be honest. Like... Like I don't, I don't think it's a truly horrendous film by any stretch of the imagination. Like I, I derive some enjoyment from it. I feel like it, the storytelling is a little muddled. Uh, it doesn't seem like it has anything particularly interesting to say. Um, but it's a fairly well-made movie. There's some very good shots in it. Uh, and you know, say what you will about John Travolta's performance. Um, I like that he tries. Like, I, I can't recall too many instances where he completely phoned something in. So even though he made pretty much every bad choice you could make in terms of, like, acting craft uh, and, like, putting together his character for this film, I like that he actually put he put in some thought and he took a swing. 
so that's my review. It's not as bad as it's not as bad as its reputation. Um, we have another Criterion release, Old Joy from 2006. Uh, again, this is not a film that's known to me, but wow, that is a gorgeous painted cover. Um, it's a couple. It looks like a couple of hikers on a on a log, but the color palette is extraordinary. Uh, beside that, though, we have uh, V or V I Y. I'm not entirely ha- sure how to pronounce this. This is a Soviet Russian production uh, from 1967. Uh, a supernatural horror film of sorts uh again i wish kyle were here because this is like one of the movies that uh he and i kind of uh formed our friendship off of (laughs) um we used to work together and he told me about this movie and he was very excited to see it but he didn't have the means to do so Uh, so i took it upon myself to like find a bootleg of it like a dvd via ebay or something uh, just to get him the film in some fashion. I was like, you won't shut up about this, so you better fucking watch it. <laughs> uh, to, to date, I have not seen it. Um, but I gave him the DVD, and he watched it, and, you know, he was pretty... He said it was very good, but at the same time, like, not not quite up to the standard he was hoping for. But uh, he has some fun theories about... Um, Sam, Sam Raimi potentially having seen this film and having lifted some images and concepts from it for some of his films. Um, so I, this is a movie I'd very much like to see. This is a Blu-ray disc that I think was delayed at some point because it's from Severin Films, which as far as I know is like a a boutique distributor. They don't put out stuff constantly and it's usually in short supply. Um, but yeah, this is the first time this movie's been released in the West in, in HD um, maybe in any format, as far as I know. Uh, so that's kind of cool. That's it got distribution. Not only that, but like within a year of of my friend, you know, ranting about it being unavailable to him. <laughs> so somebody must have heard him. Um, moving on, we have a Burt Reynolds film, Stick, from 1985. Uh, he's touting an MP5 behind a broken pane of glass. Uh, looks like my kind of trash. Um, got. Monos from 2019 it has the certified fresh on it um I'm gonna read the description it says uh on a faraway mountaintop eight kids with guns watch over a hostage and a conscripted milk cow um I could be my my streams could be crossed um but my wires could be crossed is what I meant to say um but I seem to remember hearing some very good things about this movie uh, I unfortunately I can't remember the details of that. Uh, this is not something I would blind buy for sure, but it's something that I I'll probably come back to. Um, I don't know what this is either, but an elephant sitting still from 2018. Ah, it's a Chinese film uh, in the northern Chinese city of. I'm not going to try to say that. Uh, they say there is an elephant that simply sits and ignores the world. Uh, becomes an obsession for the protagonists of this film, a longed-for escape from the downward spiral in which they find themselves. Damn, uh, that sounds like a description from like a a '90s coffee talk movie or or an experimental film of some sort. Uh, that could be very interesting, probably very challenging, but also interesting. Um, beside that, we have Aces Iron Eagle Three from 1992, starring Lou Gossett Jr. and I think it's Rachel McClish. Um. I've never seen any of the the Aces movie, the Iron Eagle movies. Um, I very much would like to. Uh, I seem to remember my brother thinking they were pretty fun. Um, but this one holds a special place in my heart, despite not having seen it. Uh, because, if I remember correctly, our uh, VHS tape of uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day that we had in the, in the family home uh, growing up had a trailer for this movie. Um, at, at the beginning of the tape. And if I remember correctly, they played uh, the a combination of like the Conan the Barbarian theme and the Rambo theme over the trailer. <laughs> and just combination of like the, the jets, the explosions, and the super buff chick killing people with, with like chains. I was like, oh my God, this movie looks amazing. <laughs> um, but to date, I have never seen it. Um, but yeah, this man, I got to get around to watching it because... Fuck jets, man. <laughs> like, 
Got to get pumped up for Top Gun 2, which is just around the corner now. Um, moving on, we got uh, a lot of reissues. Um, what appears to be a horror film by the name of The Tombs from 2019, uh, featuring a bag-headed killer with an axe. Could be fun. Um, looks more up my alley than Kyle's. Uh, See, I, I do slasher movies. Kyle's more about, like, legit horror movies, like actual horrifying horror movies. I tend to just go for gore and stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's about it for that week. So let's move on. Uh, next week on the release calendar is December 17th. And right off the bat, we have a 4K release uh, in the form of Ad Astra, uh, starring Brad Pitt, and I believe Tommy Lee Jones is in there. Uh, it's directed by James Gray, who is someone I probably should know. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so I just pulled him up, and James Gray directed The Lost City of Z. Um, I have not seen that. Nor have I seen We Own the Night, but um, The Lost City of Z is a movie that Kyle has told me multiple times is excellent. Uh, he actually, he really, really likes that movie. And he's told me multiple times I should see it. Um, and Ad Astra has a bit of a, I don't know, the reviews for it have been divisive. Um, I haven't seen it. Um, I think my brother did. He seemed to think wasn't the best. Um, but as far as I, I've heard, uh, some of the imagery in there, like the cinematography, is top-notch shit. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's up for Oscars this year. Um, I'd be curious to hear what Kyle has to say about this, because I'll have to tell him about the 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 director and the fact that he did The, the Lost City of Z, because Kyle is a, is a space guy. He loves space movies, uh, and he loves good cinematography, like shots, man. Shots, 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 shots. I can't believe I just said that because that's not something I ever say. Um, but yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to like poke Kyle about this because it seems like something he would like. Not me so much, but him. Um, but something that I would like that he wouldn't even fucking glance at uh, is right next to Ad Astra in the form of Rambo: Last Blood, also on 4K. Uh, so I blind bought this, <laughs> um, what a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, it's all right. It's not great. Um, Stallone is really showing his age now. It's very, it's, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always love Stallone. He's basically been like a, a parallel or an analog for my dad, like my whole life. <laughs> Cause my dad's from Philly and Stallone's from Philly and they kind of had like neighborhood connection and stuff. And like we bonded over Rocky movies. It's a whole thing. Um, point is, uh, I, I'll 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 show up for Stallone pretty much any time, even if it even if I know it's crap. But fuck, I've I've watched all the uh, Escape Plan movies, all of them. There are three of them. Um, I think one and a half of them are good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Rambo: Last Blood is it doesn't measure up to the fourth one at all, which was a surprisingly like legit, decent movie. Not just like Rambo movie or war movie, but just like it had an edge to it. Uh, it's extremely well shot in such a way that's like, wow, this violence is actually impactful. It's making me feel things. Um, Last Blood feels like a rejected Taken script. And the worst thing, though, is that they, they make you wait a long time for the violence, just like they did in Rambo 4 for the most part. Rambo 4 is very uneven. Um, and in fact, most of the Rambo movies are very bottom heavy in terms of like the carnage and mayhem, like, you know, the early goings, there's a slow build and then there's some shenanigans in the middle and then there's the big third act thing where things go nuts. Um, this one, there's not enough of it. And, uh, the one thing that I kept telling myself while I was sitting on the couch and rem reminder, I'm the guy who watches horror movies for gore and stuff as opposed to like actual scariness. Um, the one thing that I, I was kind of banking on potentially saving the movie was the gore, was the violence, uh, because that was so shocking in, in the fourth one, in Rambo. Um, unfortunately, this one doesn't actually live up to that, to the point that's like, man, like you had to have known that like having a 70-year-old Stallone barely able to, you know, barely able to, to act out action scenes in a single take, you know, in the same room with the people that he's, you know, visiting violence upon. Like, 
like you had to have known that you needed to play a different angle in order to sell this thing and like they, they just kind of fell flat on their face so it's it's unfortunate it's not like laughably bad or, or terribly uncomfortable um it's just not as good as i would have hoped uh so <laughs> and now for something completely different um Beside that, we have a collector's edition of Silver Bullet from 1985. So this is another Stephen King adaptation uh, adapted from a short story collection uh, called Cycle of the Werewolf. It holds a very special place in my heart because my brother had that that short story book. um, And each chapter had a like comic style, like color, color illustration for each chapter, which was a month um, in this town. Um, and each month the werewolf would manifest and kill somebody in the town. Um, those illustrations and that story were a huge part of like, again, very formative stuff for me. Like those images, like, holy shit, it's like, this is really violent, gory stuff. I'm a little kid. I'm not supposed to see this. So I kept like stealing that fucking book from my brother and pissing him off (laughs) just so I could look at the creepy photos and stuff. Um, but I remember I was like, 13 12 or something when uh, a friend of mine in school caught wind of the fact that I liked the book and and they said oh did you did you know that there there's a movie and I was like what is it like new and they're like no it's it's old it's been around it just has a different name it's called silver bullet uh and this was around the time I was really into like pumpkin head <laughs> uh so like that I don't know the 80s horror is a special thing and um side note um, there's a four-hour documentary called In Search of Darkness, which apparently you only had until uh, October 31st of 2019 to, to buy a copy of, um, which would also double as being like a backer in terms of like financing the project. Um, I put up the money for that shit. Um, they sent me a friendly email saying, hey, we're, we're a bit backed up. Uh, demand is, was a lot higher than we were expecting, so you probably won't be getting your disc until like the end of December or early January or something. Uh, but it is on the way, we fucking swear. Um, anyway, the whole point of that documentary is it's four hours just about 1980s horror movies. Um, so in case you couldn't tell just just from what I've said in this episode of the show, uh, that's kind of my jam. <laughs> so um, yeah, Silver Bullet is good times. It's a Corey Haim and uh, Gary Busey and uh, Everett McGill and like a whole whole bunch of '80s character actors. Um, good times. Um, the one, it's funny. The the one big letdown to the movie, and it's a big fucking letdown, is actually the werewolf. Um, the werewolf costume is hor- horrendous. Um, it looks. It's just a bear. It's it's a bear. It's a one-eyed bear. And it's really bad. <laughs> and like every time it's on camera, I just kind of like bow my head and just go, "Oh my god." <laughs> like um but yeah, there's there's a lot of good kills in the movie. Uh the soundtrack is amazing. It's like I think it's Jay Chataway did the theme song for the movie. Take you for a joyride. <laughs> I do believe that I can't fly. Yeah, it's great stuff. Um, it's 80s trash at its finest. Um, but yeah, unfortunate werewolf. But the things it does to people are, are well rendered. It's just when it's on camera, it's like, fuck, man, <laughs> you could have done better. Um, but apparently the uh, the extras on this disc do a really good job of, again, it's a Scream Factory disc, so they, uh, they packed it full of supplements and stuff. Um, a lot of which have to do with, like, the making of the film and, like, the financing and apparently... Um, the folks that had to build the werewolf did not have much to work with, <laughs> so they did the best they could. Uh, I, I might fucking buy that. <laughs> I might fucking buy that. Uh, moving on, though, uh, we have the Downton Abbey movie, uh, which came out this year. Um, I've never seen Downton Abbey, but I, to- I, t- I would totally watch it. Like it's, it's like a silly male pride thing that keeps me from doing it. But like, if I had like a like a girlfriend or somebody that wanted to watch it with me like it's like oh you you should watch this with me i'd be like fuck yeah let's do it because <laughs> like, i've heard nothing but good things and it has a stellar cast and my mom loves it <laughs> in fact like i was i was poking my dad and telling him the other day like hey you know that downton abbey movie like mom really likes that like i know you don't do movies in the theater but 
maybe you want if you want some brownie points just just take your wife take take mom to the theater <laughs> to see Downton Abbey uh, we have Abominable on 4K. Uh, I don't know what studio made this. Oh, Universal? Uh, Universal Animation? I know nothing about this. I, I think it got good reviews, but it's a, it's a Yeti. It's a Yeti movie for kids. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Edgar Allan Poe's Murder in the Rue Morgue from 1932. This is a Bear Lugosi. Um... That is an actor that I would very much like to take a deep dive into his filmography uh, because I have not. I've barely scratched the surface. Um, but fuck, that accent and that swagger. Like, Mr. Lugosi can do no wrong, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, moving on. Oh, shit. Uh, Long Day's Journey into Night. Uh, if I remember right, this is directed by B. Gunn. I could be saying that completely wrong, but this came out officially, I think, in 2018. Uh, this movie uh, had all the buzz in the world uh, when it was doing like limited theatrical runs and like festivals and whatnot. Uh, the big, it's not a gimmick, but um, the big selling point in the movie is that it's like a stellar drama that just so happens to have like an hour-long single-take 3D shot <laughs> as the second half of the movie. And by the way, it's supposed to be a very good movie. Um, that's a very hard trick to pull off. Um, I've heard excellent things about this to the extent that like a lot of critics and, and people that I respect have said like if if you have the means to see this um, in the manner in which it was intended to be presented, um, <laughs> similar to those uh, failed Hobbit movies with the uh, high frame rate experiment, um, if you have the means to, to see this movie in a theater with 3D, uh, fucking do it. <laughs> um, I probably won't, um, but to anyone who might listen to this, um, if you're interested in just pure filmmaking ability, like shown shown at its finest, maybe check it out. Um, moving on, though, we have uh, this has to be a re-release of the Cable Guy from 1996. Um, does not appear to have any like special features or anything like that, so not really sure why this is coming out now. Um, I really love The Cable Guy. Uh, it's directed by Ben Stiller, who I've been saying it for years, man. He needs to direct more movies because I think he's very good at it. And I think, like, I feel like he and uh, Danny DeVito have a very similar, like, dark edge to their senses of humor, at least when it comes to, like, directing films. Um, to the extent that it's like, man, maybe maybe those two should hook up and do a collaboration or something. Because Ben Stiller is a very talented film director. He just does not direct many films. So uh, if you're listening, Mr. Stiller, get get out there. Get working. You do good stuff. Uh, moving on, though, uh, we have Female Prisoner Scorpion, uh, the complete collection. Uh, this is an aero disc, uh, disc set. Uh, 1972 to 1973 as far as I remember this is like a Japanese trash series <laughs> um, similar to like like Lady Snowblood Shura Yukihime um, but probably much trashier and not as good um, I don't know much about it other than that uh, we have another arrow box set beside it the complete Sartana um, this appears to be a spaghetti western series of some sort um, not known to me, but again, Aero Disc, probably, probably good trashy fun. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, we have a Dolph Lundgren film by the name of Acceleration. Uh, he's, his outfit appears to be Steve McQueen inspired, uh, and there is a car on the front. That is all. <laughs> um, Gags the Clown from 2018, that is a cool poster. I'll give him that much, um, but I I have a feeling it's it's like one of those cases where the cover is a thousand times better than the actual movie. Um, yeah, we're starting to get into some crap. And oh, by the way, um, if you're not aware of this, uh, Kyle and I tend to like gloss over a lot of anime releases. Um, firstly, because there are just so goddamn many of them from month to month, and second, because um. I'm out of the loop. Like, I I was big into anime from, like, 
age 13 to like 23. Um, and then I just stopped caring and stopped paying attention. I, I foolishly believed that I outgrew it to some extent. So now nowadays the only anime that I watch are like very few and far between. Like I have some legacy series that I check in on every once in a while. Like I'll show up for Gundam, um, Hajime no Ippo, uh, which has not, <laughs> which has not had an iteration in like five years or something now. But if they ever make another one, fuck, I'll show up. Uh, Fist of the North Star, I'll show up for that. Uh, Dragon Ball, I'll watch the movies. I will not watch the show. I will not watch Dragon Ball Super. I ain't nobody got time for that. And fuck, that last Dragon Ball Super movie made me feel so fucking old. <laughs> like, like just like the the animation quality was a thousand times better than anything I grew up with. Like, Dragon Ball's like historically always been a little bit jank. And that's part of the charm, I guess. But this was like so bombastic and over the top. I was just like, oh my god, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> um, and also the the formatting of that mo- that movie, the the Broly movie, was just laughable. It's like okay, like this is this is why we have episodes instead of movies because you realize you've just done the exact same thing every ten minutes for the past thirty minutes, right? <laughs> and it's like normally this is broken up by dialogue scenes and like you know episodes so it doesn't it is it's not as repetitive if you if you visit it one week at a time but if you put it in one movie it's like you know this is feeling really similar to what i saw 10 minutes ago just louder and more colorful (laughs) um but moving on uh december 24th um we have judy uh i believe this is about judy garland this is a renee zellweger apparently she fucking killed it um I've heard very good things about this. I, I would watch this. Um, I know very little other than it's good. Um, but yeah, I, I heard Renee Zellweger fucking knocked it out of the park. Um, what else we got here? Uh, the Gallows Act 2. Um, I, you know, I don't actually know what the reputation of that first Gallows movie is. Um, I think it's one of those divisive horror movies where it's like some people think it's like it's pretty good. And then some people think it's utter garbage. Um, I'm not sure um, to the extent that I have zero interest in number two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that goes without saying. And um, what else we got here? Um, sorry, there's just not much. <laughs> there's a lo- Funny enough, there's a lot of anime coming out on December 24th. Funny enough, a lot of old anime. Uh, Giant Robo and Galaxy Express 999. Um unfortunately things that I don't care about but things that other folks probably will show up for um we have something called the cyborgs coming out on December 30th um this has that uh that that thing that all the kids love that uh retro 80s font and lots of millennial pink on it I'm gonna read the uh I'm gonna read the back of the box description uh, oh it's a TV show uh, the future, 2004. The malicious General Blight, leader of Toxin, that's an acronym, by the way, has set his sights on galactic conquest. Unfortunately for Blight, John Carbon and his psychic super pals never get tired of kicking evil's butt. Um, yeah, sounds and looks fun. I have no idea if it's actually good, but the cover, the cover art ticks all the boxes where it's like, you know... I want to hate this because because it's very manipulative marketing, but at the same time, they they know me well enough to get me interested. <laughs> um, and December thirty first uh, to close out the month and the year of twenty nineteen, uh, we have Batman Beyond the complete Blu ray collection. Uh, I have to assume that this also includes uh, the Return of the Joker, um, which was better than you would expect. Um, Batman Beyond was funny because, like, I remember watching the two-part pilot when it first came out in fucking prime time. Like, they hyped this shit big time, and I was super hyped. I was super hyped for this shit. I loved Batman Beyond, and then I got a little older, <laughs> and uh, I lost interest. But those first two seasons, holy shit, fucking great. Um, but around the time you get to, like, the third and the fourth season, I think, I was just like, or maybe it was just the third season. 
Because at some point they started doing like crossovers and stuff where it's like they had the Zeta project and he got a sidekick who like hung out in the Batcave. And I was like, okay, this is no. <laughs> but like that first season was kind of magical. Like it, it had a tone, it had a feel, and you know, the, the aesthetics of it were like perfect for like a 12, 13 year old boy. It's like, okay, let's steal a bunch of shit from Akira. <laughs> let's let's put Batman in an Iron Man suit and oh yeah like at any point in the series if people start to lose interest we have a secret weapon in the form of Bruce Wayne still voiced by Kevin Conroy um, and goddamn, I, I can't tell you how hyped I was like th- the couple of times they let they let old Batman do stuff and they brought back the the old Batman theme music like fucking Bruce Wayne and power armor fighting ink and the old Batman theme comes back, and then like Bruce Wayne with the Mister Fantastic, Mr. Fantastic, like like white white streaks over his ears after he goes into the Lazarus Pit, and the old theme music. Every time the old theme music came back, I I popped like big time. Um, so yeah, Batman Beyond, I I would I would rewatch that. I don't know if I would buy the whole series. I do actually own the first season on DVD. Um, and I have watched it a couple of times over and always enjoy it, but I, it could just be me misremembering things or, or being jaded or something, but I feel like there's a c- distinct like cutoff point in that series where it's like, you know, this is just not as good as it was. <laughs> like, let's, let's just pretend it ended here. Um, and beside that, we have something called the peanut butter solution. Um... I have no idea what this is, but that is a really fascinating color, uh, cover. Sorry. Um, the reason why I said color is because the cover is very colorful. <laughs> um, then we have... I'm going to end the entire year with uh, a Danny Trejo movie by the name of Bully from 2018. Um, I know nothing about it, but I see Danny Trejo and a ginger kid that looks beat up. And I think there's, a, I think there's boxing involved. Um, but yeah, that's about it. So let's let's review the whole month and see if there's anything I'm going to be buying or anything I'm going to be telling Kyle to buy. Um, Big Trouble in Little China. I'm like I said, I still haven't decided. Might end up buying the big super duper box set for that because that movie is is special. Uh, Waterworld, the arrow the arrow edition of it. If it has a substantial like documentary on the disc about the making of it yeah i i might check that out uh, i might buy that um once upon a time in hollywood i think i've decided nah I, I i saw it i'm happy with it i don't need to see it again uh aces iron eagle three <laughs> i don't i don't know that i will buy that but i i'm glad i was reminded about it because I, I hadn't thought about it in years. Um, but, like, all the memories came back, and it's like, fuck, man. Like, like I really want to see that. <laughs> like, it has too many things in it that I like. Um, Rambo Auray bought. <laughs> Not the 4K. I only bought the Blu-ray because, just based on the trailers, I assumed correctly. Uh, this movie is not much to look at, so it probably doesn't need a 4K disc in order for me to appreciate it, and I can save a buck in between. Uh, Silver Bullet, yeah, I, I might buy that. I might buy that. (laughs) Still a maybe at this point, but, like, I have many good memories associated with that movie. Um, and Batman Beyond is a light maybe, uh, so that's about it for me. Um, I think Ad Astra is the big one that I need to remind Kyle about, um, because it's it just it has too many components to it that seem perfect for him. Uh, fucking space, man! A <laughs> kid loves space. Uh, so yeah, uh, thanks so much for joining me as I, uh, you know, caught up on the Blu-ray for 2019, uh, December 2019. Um, I guess uh, you're going to be getting more of me this week, uh, as I'm going as I intend to close out the month with a special special edition review of a Japanese indie film uh, by the name of Hydra. Um, special thanks to the folks at Film Combat Syndicate for for, for providing me with the uh, review code uh, for that movie. Um, 
but yeah again thank you so much for joining us uh tune in uh in 2020 <laughs>